Hey, it's Dan here. If you want to hear this episode of the Backchat Podcast without ads and get extra content that no one else gets, head to backchatstudios.com.au where you can sign up as a patron and access all of our bloody good merch. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Why are you wearing that shirt right now? That's the shirt I picked out. <laughs> Mate, what, how's the weekend, all right? Yeah, very good. Let's just point out the obvious real quick. I know the I know this story and I'm just so excited for you to tell it. No, no, no. Like we uh, are, I'm wearing this t-shirt. Oh, yeah, cool. And in about nine minutes time, I'm going to be wearing a different t-shirt. Okay. Just because we're mixing it up. Yeah, we, we, we spoke to Pete another time, but that's all right. Yep. This is the intro for the pod. Yes, hello. Tell me what happened on the weekend. I'm excited to hear um, this. So I'm a big F1 fan. Massive. Good. Um, and I went to the casino to watch the race. Yeah, the final, final race. race of the season. Yeah. Max v. Lewis for all the marbles. Lewis v. Max. Max v. Lewis. Yeah, this summer. <laughs> and it was awesome. Yeah. It was, one of the, it was one of the best races I've ever seen. There was about a thousand people at the casino watching it. The vibes. Saw some immaculate. footage. A lot of people there. Yeah. A lot. It was excellent. Um, got to chat to a Backchat fan. You got recognised, mate. If you're not going to tell this story right, <laughs> you got recognised. You got picked out of a, th- a crowd of thousands from nowhere. Hey, Dan. Yeah. Dan. You turn around. It's like, oh, one of my mates from school or something. Yeah. Dan from Backchat. Yeah. Yep. Wow. This is a big, big moment, mate. So well, Dan from Backchat. Uh, do you know what? I you, think that's not on your LinkedIn bio <laughs> yet, is it? <laughs> it's not. Um, I think the – I think I, – I, I feel bad because I didn't actually grab his name. He probably told it to me, but it was very loud in there. Your big head, eh? He's such, <laughs> like, he's such a celebrity now, bro. So I think he sort of he wanted to come over and have a chat. And I'm, you know, I love I love to have a chat, of course, all the time, anytime. Um, but I think he sort of bit off more than he could chew and realize um, after five minutes of me yelling at him because it was so loud and I'd had a few beers. Um, he was like, maybe he just wanted to come for a quick hello, but the next thing you know, I'm screaming at him about the F1. So, and you got a photo? Yeah, we did the photo thing. Oh, um, and they did say they're going to post it for socials or something. So, look, if you, there would be listening to this, so please send it. Send it in. You send it. We put it up. Backchat 2.0. Here we go. The podcast uh, with the now world famous Dan Const <laughs> and Will <laughs> Schofield. Uh, you know where you can find us. Yep. Backchatpodcast.com.au. It's got it all. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you're watching on YouTube right now, hello. How are hello. you? Uh, it's all building nicely. Been speaking to some really, really great 
Great athlete so far. Big one today. I'm excited. <laughs> You're so excited. Um, I'm properly excited. <laughs> you are. You fanboyed hard. Yeah. But that's okay. That yeah. happens from time to time. Yeah. Well, you were like that with Bogut. Nah, I think I was pretty... Mate, I've had Dirk Nowitzki's shower water drop on me while he was... So, and I was Put it here, mate. Shake my hand. Yeah, yeah. I love a couple of name Dirk drops. Nowitzki. Hey, um, I wouldn't be surprised if Dirk was dropping, hey, I, I met Dan Const that time because probably. now how famous you are right yeah. now. See, that makes me happy yeah. you got recognised in public. Very good. Um, you, you tweeted this week about the F1. You said it wasn't really a fan before this season. Yeah, no. Nah, I, I don't reckon I've ever watched a race. Um, yeah. Uh, what previous to this race or barely, this not season? a race start to finish? I just I just had no understanding of mm. what was going on, like the you know the little nuances, the little things, the competition for you know the top spots in opposed to the middle rungs and towards the back end. Like yep. there's a lot going on there, and then the different things with the cars, different rules. I didn't understand it before this year. Mm. Um, it's bloody good, isn't it? It was exciting. It was, but people are also saying this is the best season in the last century. Um, like it's never been a better season. So it's probably the best season to start watching is an exciting one. Yep. What did you think about, just quickly, like the you're result? a big fan. Well, no, well, yeah, the result and, and, and what happened. Because it was, mm. it was uh, official uh, meddling a little bit, right? Yeah, so um, Michael Massey. The Aussie. The Aussie, who's always a welcomed, well, a welcomed sight when I hear him on the team radios when he talks to the team principals. It's great because the Australian accent is very Australian. Is him and Dan Ricardo the only Aussies involved in anything to do with F1? And <laughs> there's it's hilarious. Probably some, no, there's probably <laughs> some other people involved. But um, he's you know in, involved in this because he made a pretty big call. But the problem – well, not the problem, but the thing for me is I'm a massive Max Verstappen fan. Are you? Yeah. I've been rooting for Max for the last few seasons and really wanted him to beat Lewis. So when the result went their way, I was stoked. Mm. Had it gone, the, had the roles complete opposite thing happened, I would be, livid. I would be writing emails to the FIA. I'd probably fly to the headquarters. I'd be appearing in court, witness like because of uh, Max being robbed of something. But yeah, I look. I put it in context with footy. I watched it. I watched the whole season. There's a lot of up and ups and downs in F1, and there's a lot of luck, and there's a lot of influence from upstairs in the booth. Something goes wrong on out on the track. They, they, they have a bit of a flashing light come up and, and it'll be like decision decision pending, kind of like the cricket. Yep. Um, you know, no ball or, or, or a good ball. And then they'll put a pending, you know, decision out of five-minute penalty, a five-second five stop go or 15-second stop go. It seems kind of, you know, a bit grey. Not making, really yeah, not they're making, a black they're, and white. It's tough. it's tough. They're making decisions sort of on the fly. and um, Is it any different yeah. to an umpire in the AFL making an incorrect decision in the last quarter of a grand final? I, I think it is because... The rules are a bit more black and white in the F1, and the controversy was they around... They certainly are not. The controversy was around them making one rule, then sort of changing it, then changing their mind. But you know what? Michael Massey just said, what we want is them to race. We made them race, and Max won the race. Like, it was fascinating, because the principals, effectively the coaches of the teams, were mm. speaking to the head referee yep. during race, which happens every race. Oh, yeah. it's, it's not like... This was the first time they were allowed to communicate. Every race, they're either petitioning for something or they're asking for something to be looked at. Yep. This is how F1 goes. That's mm. how I looked at it. No, Didn't Mikey. This is wrong, Mikey. That's my Toto Wolf. Yeah, I like um, it. Yeah, I like listening to Toto on the radio. He complains a lot. Go, Max. Um, well done, Max. F1, that was insane. Not much footy news going on at the moment. Which is fine. Yeah, because... Just tune into Backchat. 
Yep. Subscribe to YouTube channel. That's right. Um, like it, and also a new one I heard recently was um, click the bell or something on YouTube because it gives notifications when we. Look at Sammy, the our graphic designer in the house. What does the bell mean? What is that? Yeah, it turns on notifications. Yeah, click the bell. <laughs> Listen to Sammy. Click the bell. All right. There you um, go. Good. I'm glad we got Sam here because yeah. I would not have known. Saving him. us constantly. GWS made a big call this week. Ah. Greater Western Sydney Giants. They have announced a lineup of three captains. <laughs> That's hilarious the way you describe it. Yeah, lineup. Yeah, yes. they've got a three man lineup as a captain. A trio. Cap trio. I don't even know how I feel about the co-captain situation, let alone three. I'm going to have to pass this on to you. Your thoughts on having more than one person, which will probably delve into then the role of the captain and how that changes when you have three of them. Look, overall, my first impression, I laughed. I thought that is an absolute... It's not a disgrace or anything like that, but it seems strange. So, Cornelio, Green... Kelly, yeah, three-man lineup. They're three best players. So I don't know how deep you want me to go with this, Dan. But like leadership groups from mine throughout my playing career mostly consisted of the best players. Does that is that sound weird? In my mind, it does, but maybe it doesn't. I mean, I find usually the best, the absolute best player, isn't the captain. That doesn't that doesn't come hand in hand but usually you know they're in a, a leadership group there's there's two ways i've heard of thinking about leadership and talking about leadership and how you you know uh, assign that within groups there's the you know the consistency that's required to be a great player and that makes you a leader and the ability to consistently perform to prepare um a little bit of do as i do kind of thing yep um, so to be a great player, there's not many great players that just have talent and, you know, they're only good because of their talent. Uh, the other sort of form is great leaders because of how they teach or how they lead, not by how they play or how they train or how they prepare. Yes, they would, great leaders do all those things well, but how they actually speak to players, how they communicate, how they can get people to buy into not only game plan, but team culture, um, the best leaders I've ever played with were the, not do as I say, but they would be followed by you know, players that were leaders in that sense, if you know what I mean. Like they they led in my mind and they were never the best players. The best leaders I play with were never the very best players. Yep. And so I look at Cornelio, Green and Kelly, the three best players on GWS list, and it's... Not weak, but it's like, I don't know if we can make a decision here, guys, that's going to piss someone off, that someone's going to be upset. So let's just give it to them all. You could do the same thing, name one captain, have two vice captains, and onto your second part of your question about what actual captains do, there's not actually a lot that a captain does that's any different to a vice captain. Yep. Like... Externally, there is. They, they, they're sort of like the, the head of the footy club. They do a lot of the press conferences. They speak after games a lot. They are often... Something controversial happens, they go to the captain. They roll the captain out, right? Yeah. And so now, I mean, GWS have got, got damage control. They've got three options. Yeah. But in terms of actual leadership within the group, being the captain, in my experience anyway, it didn't really mean much more than a vice captain. Like, 
in the back part of my career, Shannon Hearn was my captain, Luke Shuey was my captain, Josh Kennedy, Jeremy McGovern were vice captains, Luke Shuey was a vice captain. They're all about the same leaders to me. Shannon Hearn, um, out of all the guys in probably my last 10 years, was a real leader because of his ability to lead, not because of his ability to play. And I think too often, this would summarise how I feel, too often guys are put in leadership positions, i.e. captain, because of how they play and not because of how they lead. Right. So I feel like this is how you play, not how you lead, even though I would have no fucking idea, Dan. Yeah. I don't know what, how, that, how good the leaders are. This is what's, yeah. I guess, wonderful about sitting back here and just talking absolute jargon. Uh, speaking of jargon, <laughs> you send it, we read it. Yes. Now, before we get to Peter Bowl, mm. which we're both very excited about. I'm more excited. Yes. Um, self As a self-proclaimed 800-metre champion. Yeah, I mean, we asked our guests what uh, achievements you've had off the chosen field or track or yep. You're ring. constantly talking about an 800-metre race. Yeah, I mean, it was a big, pretty big deal back in the day. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a big deal. Big, mm. Quick runner. Well, let's see what Peter Bowl thinks about it. Look, if he's yeah. impressed, if he's impressed <laughs> yeah. with what I've got to say... That the proof will be in the pudding, mate. Okay. If Peter Bowl is excited by what I have to say about the sort of times I was running, then you can shut the hell up. Okay, of course he'll be nice to you, though. Um, you send it, we read it. Let's get into that quickly. Do it before we chat to Peter. You promised me stings last week, and we don't have them. You send it, we read it. Good. I think that's ESPN. Yeah, that's good. Jordan Flynn. Yeah, let's um, yeah, let's copyright. Yeah, great, that's good. <laughs> Ahoy, gents. Mm. Hope things have been going swimmingly. First and foremost, for moist. <laughs> Come on, Daniel. Yes. Come on, Daniel. First Get the head out foremost, of the gutter. Just want to give my business hearing again a plug. Now, this isn't what it says in the email, but we have always said if you send send it, we will read it. Yeah, and we'll plug it. So that's fine. You send it, we plug it. Exactly. Another great segment. <laughs> um, so for just $499, you can purchase your very own high quality, high for po- high. Performance. Uh, do you want to just take a break? You want me to read it? No. That's three, that's three words. Okay. For just $499, you can purchase your very own quality, high-performance, ready-to-use digital hearing aid from your local pharmacy 777. <laughs> Avoid spending thousands on hearing aids. Oh, Do you need a speaking aid? What's happening? You okay? You may, be entitled, <laughs> you may be entitled to a rebate of up to 100% from your health insurer. Please check with your health insurance provider. Secondly, can so I reread that? I want to plug it. First and foremost, just wanted to give my business hearing again a plug. <laughs> For just $499, purchase your very own quality, high performance, ready to use digital hearing aid from your local pharmacy 777. Avoid spending thousands on hearing aids. Mm. You may even be entitled to a rebate of up to 100% from your health insurer. Please check your health insurance provider. Secondly, what is the best <laughs> roast you've ever heard during an AFL game? So you've you've talked about some you've you know you've brought up a couple in the past where crowds have roasted you. What about because because you've talked about that? What about roasts that you maybe have heard from other players, <sighs> or maybe a teammate that's roasted another player, um, or or another coach? Yeah, wh- whomever. I um, yeah. I, I, I we lost a game in Sydney. Um, pretty sure it was Woosha, and he went to absolute town on. It could have been Simo. That's how good of a roast it was. I can't remember who gave it. I just remember the reaction because I was up the back and it was given to senior players, mm. saying that they checked out. Right. Um, went playing for the jumper, 
playing for themselves, worry yeah. about getting touches. Yeah. It was a good one though, like so real, real hard hitting, real hard hitting. Bit of trembling in the voice. I think a good roast always has a bit of a tremble. Simo used to love a bit of a tremble. Right, bit and of conviction. Yeah, I mean, it shows some emotion. He used to get right into it. The bottom lip used to go when CMO was having a real go. And look, I'm not, I'm not bagging that because I was on the yeah, receive, I was on the receiving end of a few of those. Sometimes to my face, sometimes over the phone. Yep. Um, could always hear the lip trembling. That's not leadership. <laughs> I do we speak about that? Um, I love uh, bringing it up. Okay, that's not leadership. Yeah, that was when I uh, head butted uh, Zach Butters. Yep. And Regrettable. You, you picked up the phone on the bench. And, he, and the camera went perfectly to Simo, where he mouthed perfectly exactly. You could read what he said. Back to you. Hang up the phone. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, what, what do you respond there? What do you, what do you, do you, you argue? You just take it. No, you just take it. You, you, you hear it. You cough it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, great. One little one? or We got one little one, one more? Oh, yeah. So last week, got an email from Pamela Jovanovic. So she emailed us to thank us about the charity that we plugged. Now, she did ask us not to read out the email. And don't worry, I'm not. No, we won't. We won't because you asked us not to. But I do want to connect, correct the pronunciation of her name. Right, which you just pronounced wrong again. Yes, because <laughs> I want to like link okay. it to that. Good. I said Pamela Ivanovich. Her name is Jovanovich, not Ivanovich. And I'm sorry, Pam, for yeah. doing that. We're sorry. But we did get your email. Thank you for sending it to us. That's it. You send it. We read it. And now... We get to speak to Peter Boll. If you love what we're doing, if you love this episode and you are just listening, jump onto YouTube YouTube, YouTube. and subscribe to the channel. Mm. It helps us out. And you can see us. You can see us doing it yeah, in the flesh. You know Let's go change T-shirts because I think that's a good idea. I might get my hair cut too. Done. Okay, this is a big moment for the podcast. Well, honestly, Dan, it's a big moment for me, mate. Um, I've told you off air. I've told you. I've told our listeners beforehand. If I had to pick any Australian athlete, and I'm talking any, mm. and I'm not making this up because he's sitting right here with us. But if I had to pick one Australian <laughs> athlete to interview, it'll be Peter Boll. Yeah, and fanboying hard, and he's fucking here. Yeah. We've got him. How are you, Pete? Good to have you on the show, mate. Mate, I, lo- I love the hype. I love the energy and I'm happy to be in the show. Like, I feel like you don't really need much of an introduction, but our listeners probably do need, you know, I, I, you don't. But uh, Peter Boll, 800 metre runner, um, he's had quite a journey to get here. Um, Sudan via Egypt to Australia, started running pretty late, uh, figured out he could run pretty fast and uh, found himself in a couple of Olympic Games and... The story doesn't finish, but most recently you would have seen Pete run in the Olympic final um, over in Tokyo with a fourth place finish. But Pete, I'm going to wind it all the way back to the start. But all of our guests we've had on so far, um, and we've had some big names, not as big as you, but the first question we always ask them, and this will get you off guard a little bit, I want to hear your best sporting achievement, not on the athletics track. So you can't use no running you can't use your sport of choice i don't want to hear you came fourth in the olympic games mate like who who cares (laughs) doesn't count for nothing here (laughs) what what, Um, give give me your best sporting achievement not on the track i've got i've got a few um Mm. so i guess i'd say i I went to school on a basket scholarship so that's that's a good one here you go um i was i was dunking when i was in year 10 and i'm not even six foot so that's another one Uh, (laughs) um (laughs) <laughs> and uh, I guess this is on the track, but high jump, I didn't know how to do the Frosby flop and I would scissor kick 180. 
How, no, how, tall, how tall are you, Dan? I'm 165, yeah, he's, I reckon. He's Fosby flopping your ass. <laughs> yeah. You need to teach me how to dunk, man. I, I, need, I, need, I need to learn how to, to get some more hops. Um, I, don't, I don't think I'm the best person right now. I think I've been running too much. Um, I don't know if I can get up there anymore, but, Pete, have but you, we can have a go. We have can you, have a try. Have you played cricket, Pete? Have you played much cricket while you've been over here? Honestly, that's the only sport I probably have never played. Well, you're in good company there, mate. You want to tell him? (laughs) Uh, Look, I've been copping a bit of flack lately for bringing up my, (laughs) as you can see, there's a a cricket trophy here. Um, That's (laughs) my under 12s from Chute Hill Cricket Club, one of the best clubs going around in Perth. Uh, Five wickets for 16 runs, and that's the ball from the, that's the ball. Um, It was in a final. So that's my sporting achievement. Um, uh, I could talk footy, basketball. I've won, I've won a championship playing basketball in, um, you know, men's D grade. At uh, at Warwick Leisure Centre, um, <laughs> so you know, lots of lots of sports. Well, you've you've got a bit of a claim to fame with with sports, not in footy, of course. Well, well, mine like I've got a few like Pete, you know, we just our athletes. We have a few multifaceted. Um, look, I've got a couple under eight. So I was a state champion in the eighty meter hurdles. Um, I haven't rolled that one out before. I was state no, champion. You that up. <laughs> I have. Okay. Um, Look, I used to be an 800 meter runner. I don't know if I've told you that before, which is why I'm very what, happy. What time did you run? Look, I got look. Oh, oh, here we go. Is, all right, everyone, just me and Peter's going to talk times, guys. Um, uh, one fifty three, but I was seventeen, so I was I, I got down. Oh, you ran one fifty three. Yeah, that's good, Sheesh. right? Hey, is it all right? He's, yeah, that's, he's being nice. That's to good. You. Like yeah, no, like nice. honestly, us us. I started running when I was 17 and I was running about 205, 206. So he was faster than me when he was <laughs> Okay, so what you've just told me and our so listeners, I, Pete, I, I could be the greatest <laughs> in the world right now. Is that what you're saying? Oh, I'm, I'm saying put 10 years, put 10 years, yeah. ah, okay. and you might you might be the Australian record holder. Okay, good. Okay, good. Uh, so yeah, so we are talking to the Australian record holder of the Olympic, uh, of the 800 metres, who have just said, oh, that's pretty good. About yeah. my time, Dan. Of course, so, he's going to say it's not. He's he's a nice guy. Look at him. Uh, I've got so many. <laughs> so I'm very excited. Uh, I've got so many questions for you, mate. Um, I want to start with though. Before we get into your story, are you a footy fan? I, I hear you're a footy fan. Yeah. Who's your team? Yeah, I love the West Coast. You know, that's good. That's my team, um, West Coast. Good. Uh, but you know, moving to Melbourne, I just got into footy in general, and then I was actually hanging out with um. A leader on the weekend, so oh, a yeah? friend of mine. Oh, true. So, uh, but yeah, definitely West Coast fan. Am I? Am I allowed to ask? Look, you can just tell me. No, I'm not allowed to ask, and I don't care. But I'm, am I allowed to ask about your uh, your cousin? Is it your cousin? Am I allowed to ask about that? You know what? I was thinking if I was there live, I would bring him with me today. So yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Talk me through it. I mean, we we run we speak a fair bit about the AFL. It was reported that your cousin was the streaker in the grand final. Is that correct? Yeah, but you know what? Let's just get... I wasn't even in the country, so um, I have no idea why my name was thrown out there. Yeah, correct. I wasn't even in the country. Correct. I was actually in London London at the time. He was using you as inspiration, though, surely. But I don't don't think he was... Oh, I guess so. And the funny thing is, is, um, they were saying that he had more crowd. Tokyo, which is actually kind of true. <laughs> 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 Just needed, run in front of more people. He needed to run faster <laughs> than you. All right, all right mate. So uh, that's out of the way. Talk, talk to me about. Um, I want to get into your journey a little <laughs> bit. Um, you know, it's. 
I guess it's not your, it's certainly not like my story, you know, growing up in Australia and private school and pretty much everything given to me that I ever asked. Um, you started in Sudan. You're, you're born in Sudan and um, you sort of made your way here, mate. Tell me about how that all came about and, and what that was like in coming to Australia. Um, I, I did go to private school too, though. So, <laughs> good, 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 good. <laughs> so maybe I had, I had the best of both worlds. Um, mm. Yes, yeah, so I, I was born born in Sudan. Uh, I think this story is being heard so many times. and But it's still reported wrong so many times. Like you see the dates, they just don't add up sometimes. So what's wrong? I was there Tell me for what's six wrong. Years. I was there for six years and then moved to Egypt for another four. Um, so I was in Australia by the age of 10. And I was in Toowoomba. A little town in in Queensland. Uh, that's why I got into sports, a bit of rugby league, no footy really. They were all into rugby, um, and then I moved to Perth in two thousand eight. So when I was in high school, so I started there. Then I moved to Melbourne, probably at the age twenty one hour in twenty fifteen, and then now like I'm I'm everywhere. So yeah, <laughs> it's crazy journey because I don't have a place that I kind of call home. So I just call myself a global citizen because. You know, I'm two months in Perth, five months in Melbourne, and how many a month overseas? You got a you got a big family. You close to your family. I'm sure you saw <laughs> on the on the TV. Yeah, yeah. Got a massive family. I've got four brothers, um, and one sister. That's just immediate family, and then I've got a lot of you know extended family. But once in our culture, everyone's family, everyone's uncle, auntie, everyone's cousins. You know, so yeah. That's how it works. So um, when, when, you, when you reflect on kind of, you know, I kind of agree with you. I'm sure everyone asks you the same stuff about where you're from. How, how, you know, how was that journey along the way? But when, when you reflect about some of the lessons you learned, um, you know, some of the uh, experiences you went through, how does that reflect uh, on you as an athlete, like back the other way? Like how is kind of how you were brought up turned into what you are on the ath's track? I guess, I guess mentally, because we're just, you know, I'm just resilient because you've been through so much. So like losing a race on the track is not a big deal or, or like you just tend to brush things off pretty fast because, you know, you, you come up from a tough upbringing and you come up um, from a world where you just kind of, all you rely on is people and stuff like that. So I guess that kind of worked pretty well. So like, I remember just started starting athletics when I was 17 and and I would see I would see some of the kids training there and that he want to be there and their parents were forcing them there and I'm like like why are you there then like just <laughs> just don't rock up or like um I think there was one point I see I see one of the parents like bring them parades and water and whatever and I'm like damn must be nice you know like <laughs> like I might I'm out here catching buses to the track and whatnot. So it's kind of just different lifestyle, you know? Um, so like what's, what's taken for granted here, I tend to see it more opportunity because we didn't have it. So, so then that makes any sense. So then what, what really drove you then as a 17 year old, when you see people, you know, obviously just getting lifts and power aids and waters and stuff like that. And then the other end, you're seeing, <laughs> you're seeing kids that don't want to be there. They'll give me any water. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> no one's free. No one's free. No one's free. But then, but then, like you know, so when you're 17, like there's not, I, you're not really. I don't. I remember being a 17 year old, not really motivated to do much. But like, what what really drove you then to stay around and commit to athletics at that age? 
Uh, I guess opportunities because and winning. I was like addicted. Like I grew up with four brothers, so everything was pretty competitive. And once I started winning, it gets addictive. Like you want to win. So I won school. I wanted to be the fastest in the school. I wanted to be the fastest boy at all the schools, and then I wanted to be the fastest in the state, the fastest in the country. And you just keep entertaining those different thoughts, and then you're like, man, I I might actually be able to do it. But you never really know until you kind of keep going. So that was that. And then number two was literally I never really got into running until like the Olympics, which is five years after I started. Like I was like, damn, maybe I might be pretty good. Because before that, I was just like, man, I could use running to kind of travel. Like we didn't have no family holidays and stuff like that. So like I, I went to Sydney for states. I was like, man, this is dope. Like <laughs> if I can come, if I can go back train again. And then 2015, I went to I went to Paris. Um, to compete in a few races in Europe. And I was like, man, that's kind of nice. Like I'd never get to travel again. And like, although running still wasn't the sport that I wanted to be in, but it got me to go different places. So I was like, man, I'm gonna just use it. And then eventually I actually fell in love with it. So it worked out pretty well. We, um, I mean, we, we, there was a lot of Olympic coverage back here in uh, Australia while you're in the, you know, in uh, Japan, and we we saw a fair bit of your teacher, and uh, you know the stories around her effectively teaching you everything you know about running. Um, <laughs> but I know you, I've heard you speak about that before. I, I did want to ask the individual like element of running. Do you, do you do you get that team element like when you sort of decide to go down the running path? Um, how does that work with you? Do, you? do you feel like it's an individual sport or is there team elements to it? I guess that's why it was pretty boring at the start because it just felt like you're running laps around circles by yourself because it didn't feel like a team sport. And then like five years later, you're at the Olympic Games and then you got a team, you got a training club, you got a coach, you got a manager and it's like, oh, this is more of a team. And then 10 years later, you athletics is so unique because it's like such a – um a multicultural sport like for any country like that's why it's so competitive because anyone can run you just need a pair of shoes actually you don't even need shoes to run <laughs> so that's why it gets super competitive at, at the olympics and that's why we say when you compare athletics to other sports it's pretty hard like um when for example when you have assuming you take the whole um continent of africa out of it like there's there's not many people there um swimming for medals yeah but when you go to running you've got south america you've got africa you've got every single continent so it's unique and in that way you like get to meet everyone from across the world and it's it's like man it's like and then it becomes a team because even the people you're competing against um like i was after the olympics i went back to europe and after i finished competing you know you just like which friends do i have you know i had a friend from the uk i called him i said let's let's go to portugal on the holiday and then we just went to portugal on the holiday had a different friend we went and meet meet them so then it becomes more of a team sport yeah that's cool you were just saying how sort of anyone can run all you need is pair of shoes and, and actually you don't i mean there's people that are like the barefoot runners and stuff do you have experiences then when people want to challenge you to runs because like i can run and you can run and like there's probably i'm sure there's guys and girls out there that like see you and like i could i, reckon I could beat him like do you get challenged to races just <laughs> by regular people <laughs> uh, uh, sometimes but like but look not an um not not just randomly in the middle of the street or something like that, but <laughs> yeah, so, sometimes sometimes people do challenge you, and um, and then you, you just it's hard to explain. Like um, you know, I'm not, I'm not just gonna race you for no reason. Like <laughs> like, <laughs> like like what's what's the purpose to this? Like we just we just we just gonna run. Like it sounds pretty silly, 
To win. Like, um, you just said you love winning, <laughs> Pete. To win, mate. Just beat everyone. <laughs> yeah, but, but like, but I like what's on the what's on the line. What's on the line? <laughs> just if, bragging. If someone rights. wants to challenge me to race, there's there's good, bragging right for who? So yeah, it's, for ar- it's already yeah. bragging rights for them. Yeah, it's right. already bragging rights for them. So what's in it for me? Yeah. <laughs> You've got everything to lose, and some random dude at the pub. Is exactly, like, dude. I, I beat Peter Ball in a race. You wouldn't believe it, but I did. Like, <laughs> although, 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 actually, speaking about that. In Portugal, some I did race someone on a night out, and um, <laughs> yes, and I think I think it was like two a.m. and we're out, and some random just wanted to challenge me, and man, I blitzed them. Like, was, <laughs> tell me about that. I'm gonna ask you about. I'm gonna ask you about another race. I'm more interested in this race. Two a.m. Portugal. Tell me about it. <laughs> nah, and to be honest, I don't even think it was a guy. It was a girl, and I just smashed her. <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> like but um other than that you just you just kind of have fun with it but like if someone's challenging you you're not, you're not trying to slow down and stuff like that kids always try to challenge you as well so you kind of get to look at their energies you don't want to destroy their confidence but you also don't want to treat them like um like kids and spoil them like you don't want to lose um, if they seem competitive then you gotta you gotta give it to them like you don't want to lose like i remember <laughs> and my friend always held me um my friend always got on me for this, but uh, one time I was I was at the basketball court and and some kid said I'm going to beat you, and I said no you're not, and he said he said well if I beat you you give me fifty dollars, I said well then what's it up for me, and he had a Kobe Bryant jersey Lakers my favorite I said well if I win I take your jersey, and if you win I give you two hundred dollars and up to up to eleven and you start on nine, and I beat him and I took his jersey home and this kid was like I think. He- <laughs> <laughs> and and I still have that jersey, Melvin. And um, took and this kid just walked up with that jersey. Yeah, like I was like, I kind of, I kind of felt bad, but I said, man, this kid, this kid's gonna learn somehow. That's a fair bet. That's a life lesson learned for the young fella. Learn, young fella. Um, I wanted to and only because he was so arrogant too. <laughs> Very good. Pete Bowl out there just teaching blokes lessons. Like, don't yeah, you challenge me. Um. I wanted to I wanted to get my fanboy on a bit, Pete, and talk about the eight hundred meter race, like the actual race, right? Um, for Dan and for and for <laughs> listeners, the two minute mark, right? When you're a youngster, the two minute mark is kind of like it's not like a hat trick in cricket, but it's kind of like that mark where Pete probably never had this actually because he was probably just like sub two like the whole time. But two minute is like you just want to get under two, you want to get under two, you want to get under two, and then when you yep. do it, you just feel. You just start stripping off the time, right? But you can never get under two. It's really hard to. Do you remember getting under two minutes, Pete? Am I talking shit or is this a thing? This is a thing, right? Or am I just making this up? <laughs> I, I did. I did get under two after three months of training. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> That's good. <laughs> it took me like, I don't know, 12 years or something. That's good. <laughs> but, but you know what? Um, because being so naive on times and running, like, to be honest, I started running 10 years ago and, like, I, I kid you not. There's a race on YouTube. I think it was maybe 2011. I started running, and um, I think I ran the first 500 to 600 meters of the race in lane two because I thought you had to stay in lane two where you started. Like, <laughs> like that was 10 years ago. So I was not concerned about no time. I was concerned about nothing. I was just concerned about winning because I figured if you're winning, surely you go somewhere. I didn't really know much about timing, but like, how crazy is that? Like, that's 10 years ago, and then 10 years later, um, we're racing uh for like for like gold against the best in the world in like 10 years before that i'd even run the 800 properly yeah well but are you racing against guys they've been they've been racing since they were 10 years old right like most of the guys you're racing with professionally they're 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 lifelong athletes i'm assuming some some 
some are and maybe I'm, I'm not sure about everyone's story but yeah generally everyone starts pretty early um but at the same time uh i don't take credit from that because i think i started sports pretty early it's not like i started sports in 2011 yeah i was playing basketball i was pretty active before that so like i had that natural endurance it's just like some cultures just do other things better than others like i'm i was saying if i started swimming 10 years ago I wouldn't be at the Olympic final. There's no chance. <laughs> you know, it's it's a bit different. <laughs> you might, mate. You never know. What was, what was Eric nah, the Eagle. I, Eric I Eagle. Some beanie, mate. Eric, Eric the Eagle. I, I definitely know. I could put a bet on that. <laughs> <laughs> what? All right. All right. How about this one? Can you explain to listeners um, and, and tell the guys watching on YouTube, what, what does running an 800-meter race feel like? Like, explain what that's like <laughs> and why it's different to any other race. Well, one, it depends on your fitness and it depends. It depends so no, much. No, you, so- you, you. Oh, for me? Not Dan. Me? Not Dan running 800. I, I could run 800. Whatever. Two minutes. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> man, it's just, it, it's real nice, man. Especially when you're fit. You just, you just kind of, breathe. like those, those Olympic semifinal and heats, they were just like, I didn't know I was running that fast. That's why I was slowing down. If I knew I was running that fast, I would have tried to run 143. Like, um, cause there's, think about it. There's no one in, in the Australian history period that's run under 144 and I'm out there slowing down, um, running 144s. So like, once you get into that position, once your body is like, all like, um, what is it? Just muscle memory and you're just in motion. You don't even know how fast you're running. It's just becomes, it just becomes art and you're just like, wow. And you just kind of flowing, flowing, flowing. And it's so nice. It's just. It's like 800s are like a, a pretty fluctuant in, in the times you run. Like you can pop out a 147 depending on what the race you're in. Like it is it is dependent on the, the race, right? And who's around you. You can't just go and do your own thing in these races. David, nah, David it, yeah, you, you got, yeah, take it from there. Like it's it's not just yeah, a pure pure race, right? I think before I cut you off, you're going to say David Renisha. Yeah, and David yeah, yeah. Renisha was the only man in the 800. And I see you did your your research, but you did run one fifty three, so you know you know you know running. Mate, uh, David, David Rudisha, Rudisha, only man that- he's the goat, mate. <laughs> one forty one, only man in history, like the greatest eight hundred meter race of all time, two thousand twelve London Olympics. I don't need to do my research. This is muscle memory <laughs> for me, mate. I'm an eight hundred runner. This is it. David Radisha, he's the king, the goat. Hook him up. <laughs> the goat. He, he's the only he's the only man that could dictate a race from like win a race from start to finish. Like yeah. when David Radisha was running, everyone else was running for second, and it was just like no one was gonna bet on that. Like David Radisha was gonna win, but now it's quite tactical, and in a way, no one wants to lead the race, and it really depends. Like how was the final the slowest race of the Olympics? Well, the heat and the semifinal we ran pretty fast, but in the final it was quite tactical because everyone waits for that kick at the end. So. Yeah, it depends who's so in my heat and semi and we just just from knowing your competition, I knew I had two front runners, so I knew they were gonna be pretty fast. And I knew they were gonna go straight to the front. So I just had to slot in. But in the final we All had right, no. Wait, wait, wait. I wanna talk to you properly about the final in a little bit. I'm gonna get there. Just let's just give a little <laughs> little, little teaser there for our listeners. I wanna I wanna but before we get to the Olympics, right? Um you you obviously have to go start racing professionally, um, not only here in Australia, but head to Europe. I think you made the move to Melbourne um, under under coach Justin Rinaldi. Is that right? That's correct. Um, what's what was that move about, and, and what's he been able to do for your you know your running, but probably your life as well? I'm assuming you're pretty tight with your coaches as an athlete. Yeah, uh, yeah. The move with Justin was perfect. It's just because 
you know, when I was when I was in Perth, I was running 146 at the time, and the second fastest person was running 151. Yeah, it was just getting it was getting boring and and just I wasn't I wasn't motivated. And like to be honest, I just thought I could I could probably go do something else. So uh, I had to make the move. And Justin was training Alex Rowe, who was a Australian record holder at the time, and you know what a better idea to go train with the best at their home ground and, and just get away from all distractions. I was, I was quite young and I liked, I had a bunch of friends and it was just, you kind of get distracted and it was just easy to get distracted because you're winning races. Like even if I wasn't running 146, that's if I was running like 149s, I'd still be winning by two seconds, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. So I had to kind of go East and also it was super expensive to go East and compete all the time. So it just, yeah. it just made it, it just made it easy. And Justin, you know, hands down, um, the best 800 meter coach. So I just went down there for a training camp and I got along really well. And as you said before, you know, it's, it's more a relationship with the coach rather than just the coaching itself. Like we hang out. I remember one time I went with Justin to Florence with his wife and we went for 10 days training camp and he came with myself and Joseph Deng to South Africa. So, you know, you, you just build that community and it becomes a team sport. Talk to me about Joseph Deng. He's a good mate of yours, housemate. Uh, but you're like big time rivals. I find that interesting. You guys are like top of the <laughs> top of the sport here in Australia, but you're living together, training against each other, and it's like two fighters under the same roof. But then you mates, right? Yeah, only because think about it. Like in the 800, there's 48 people that can run it in the world. Um, so three per country. So like. Me and Joseph, if we train together, there's still one spot there. It's not like we're fighting for one spot. Mm. There's three spots, and we believe that we should be able to get two. So, so we're not really competing against each other. We're we're just helping each other get better. And how we get better is to compete against each other and push each other. So it just works out. And then plus, like Joseph is just as chilled as I am, you know. So when when we're out in Europe and and we train, like some athletes just like to sit down and chill and and all that stuff. Like Joseph would be like. Yeah, let's. How about we go out to the city? How about we go check out some other places and and explore a little bit or something like that? You know, he's a little bit relaxed, so it helps. And then, like, we went to South Africa together, traveled most of the world together right now, so it's it's pretty cool. Do you do you get it's to pretty do cool it? to have that? Well, yeah, that's right. Do you get to do that? Um, once you kind of start racing over in the circuit in Europe, do you get to? Is it just train, 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 race, or is there a bit of downtime and you get to enjoy yourself? There's actually quite a bit of downtime just because. The hardest training you do is right now in the off season. You know, when you start to compete, it's it's just trying to be refreshed because you're not trying to too hard. You're trying to go into races fresh. So you have some time. So, you know, we we explore a lot of different cafes, different food, stuff like that. And then once the season's over, then we can like kind of go a little bit crazy and do whatever. Um, we won't mention what crazy is. Racing, in- racing 2am Portugal <laughs> yeah, females, that's, right. that's what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, is, hey, what does training look like for me, like as someone who's not a runner? Like, are you just Or an run- athlete. Well, I'm a, yeah, athlete. I've played cricket, footy, whatever. It doesn't matter. Like, we all know I'm an athlete. He's got, he's got a trophy there. Where's your – I don't see a trophy of yours. No, I, don't, I don't actually have one. Um, what, what does training look like? I assume it's not just running around a track, running 800 metres over and over and over again. Like, is there anything outside the ordinary that you're doing to help better your fitness or your, um, like, I don't <coughs> know, hand-eye coordination, anything like that? Um, yeah, that's actually a really good question. It's valid. Uh, so I'll just tell you my week right now. Um, so this week, ending Sunday, I'll probably average 50Ks this week. 
So Monday was basically just a speed session, um, 2K warm up, 2K cool down, and then five times 50 meters, two times 150. Tuesday, I had that was the toughest one. I had 16 by one minute reps, and I was covering about 333 meters, so about three minute K pace, um, but off 30 seconds um, in the heat. So you, that one was pretty tough. And then Wednesday, um, Wednesday you go gym and you jog. So we, I had a recovery run, which is might not sound recovery to you guys, but it's 10 K at four minutes. I think, <laughs> yeah. Our four, our four minute K pace. Then Thursday was cruising, Hills. I had about, cruising. I had about um, 12 times 35 second up the hill and jog back, back up. And Fridays I have a day off, get a massage and go to the gym. Saturdays is distance. So I've got six by one K tomorrow. And Sundays is a day off, and that will take me to about 50, 50k. I got like yeah, like I got so many questions, but like, what's the support team like? You are it is an individual sport, even though you got this team around, you got competitors and stuff. What sort of support team gets you through that? Because those sort of K's, that sort of training, that's more than I certainly ever did as a as an elite you know sports like footballer. And we had fifty. 50 support staff looking after us who, who have you got looking after you to get you back on the track every day yeah so i've got <clears throat> i've got my coach justin rinaldi i've got my training partners um we call the fast eight track club and as you guys know joseph dang is one of them um i've got my manager who gets me into all different races <clears throat> then i've got my strength conditioning coaches so um chris so we do all the strength stuff and then we've also joined Pilates. so we've got a Pilates coach uh and then obviously you've got your physios. So it's pretty big. Like it becomes like a massive team that no one really knows about because everyone sees you on the track by yourself. <clears throat> I'm just going to put but this out massive. there. Where, where are you doing your Pilates at the moment, Pete? My wife owns a Pilates studio. We'd, be, we'd very happily have you whenever <laughs> you would like, mate. Free of charge. You come use the facility. I'll give you a key. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say no more. Um, I'm at KX. Oh, yeah, don't worry about that. They they're franchise themselves off, mate. What a private, independently owned studio. <laughs> oh, studio Equilibrio, mate. you got to do it. Come down, Pete, anytime. It? It's in, in Lathlane. It? It's right near West Coast in uh, in Lathlane. Look, I'll, get, I'll sort the Uber out. I'll get a bus to your house. Don't worry, mate. We'll bring, on, <laughs> we'll bring the whole crew over. Don't worry about it. <laughs> if we're just um, advertising our wives' businesses, do yeah. you ever order flowers, Pete? Because my wife's a florist. <laughs> <If you ever, laughs> <laughs> <laughs> Say no more. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have at the moment, so I can't advertise anything to you guys. Uh, but you, <laughs> it sounds like you're looking now. Um, all right, so you're a smart man. You're a smart man. All right, well, we'll see what we can do here at Back Chat for you. Um, all, right, all, right, all right, let's bring this back. Money, money, and sponsorships. Um, Dan and I are both very keen to know. You know, like athletics and other Olympic sports. Um, they got a reputation for not paying well. Um, does it pay the bills? Yeah, what sort of level do you have to get to to start signing some of these sponsorships? Um, yeah, that's actually a good question. Uh, and it's it's quite tough for a lot of athletes, and it was tough for me earlier. Um, but Joe and I were pretty lucky. We got sponsored by Adidas. Um, Adidas International, so we've got a bad, I don't know how many years, but it's been a few years already. So we're quite lucky in that regards. And then you can pick up some brand other brand stuff but yeah it's really tough Australian athletes just because one like no one knows when the races are going like I think one of the questions was like how, how did you prepare with for races without crowds I'm like like 
you just race in Australia. <laughs> like, like there is a no crowd. So like, I'm, I mean, where's the money going to come from and all that. So there's been a big issue about that for a while. So it had, it had to be more than like, you got to just be so passionate about the sport earlier on. Otherwise, you know, there's not much to keep you there. And that, because it's quite expensive, you got to go to Europe, compete against the best where the money is there, but to get the money, you got to be in those races and to get in those races, you got to be like top 10 in the world. So like, like in any hands down, any sport in the world, like the big sports, if you're 10 in the world, you're making a bunch of money. Yeah. But in athletics, you're just trying to get into the races to make the money. So it's, it's a bit different. Yeah. I've, I've always heard this thing where Olympians don't make any money unless they, unless they medal. Like, I, and I don't like, how true is that? Is it a thing that, you know, you're, Obviously, you get to compete on the world stage, but in terms financially, is it only beneficial if you do make that podium? Uh, uh, that's, uh, honestly, I honestly don't even think you make money if you win. I think each country has their own. Like, I think maybe Australia's gold medal is like 50K or something like that. Mm. Um, but, but I don't think, I think Olympics is really just pride thing and usually if you're winning you kind of have your own sponsors and stuff like that like like the tennis players don't go there to make money or the basketball players they go to they just win the medals for their countries and and for themselves it's like just kind of legacy thing but it's funny because it's like one of the biggest event in the world but it's just amateur it's just like the ncaa right athletes don't really make any money there mm. yeah because they're still amateur but the colleges are making a heap of coin uh, speaking of um yeah speaking of olympics and medals i've had this I'd say it's somewhat controversial take um, on the high jump gold medal split. I'd love to get your take on that because for me, like a lot of people are saying like, man, this is just, this encapsulates the spirit of the Olympics to have two men like, oh, you know what? We're just going to share this medal. For me, I was like, you know what? The spirit of Olympics would be, we fight it out until we get a gold. <laughs> what, what was your, yeah. what was your take on the, the gold medal split at the high Whatever, jump? whatever Pete says here, I agree with. So whatever yeah, he okay, says. You know what? I think it's all perspective, right? I guess if I was in that position, I would honestly want to find it out and see who wins who wins gold. So in that regards, I'm on your side. Yeah. Um, but for them, I think they're just pretty good friends and and they wanted to share it. So it's which is completely legal. So they they could do that and and they did it. But I, and the crowd kind of liked it. I don't know. So yeah, well, I, well, I actually, what crowd? There wasn't any crowd. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, like so a lot of people kind of like that. But um, but I would want to find it out. I mean, I was happy for them both having gold medal. But I definitely want to find it out to see who who kind of won. Is is there any such thing as a dead heat in a in a eight hundred meters? Like they'll always find a winner, uh, right? There's no such thing as a dead. There was heat heats right? in the yeah, swimming way, right? There was, there was a few of them. There was like because it's touching a wall, whereas the eight hundred's like all, bo- all body. <laughs> they got the they got the line. Yeah, they always they always just watch those cameras and they give it to someone um, um, for eight, those races. Eight, and eight hundreds never get that close. Um, yeah, unless it's state final for me. Uh, it was actually <laughs> in my state final. Yeah. Are you Came about to? Are you about to talk eight hundred at the Olympics? I am. Yeah. Because because I just want to ask one. Oh, no, no, I want to talk Olympics, not bef- not 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 Tokyo yet. Yeah. No, I just okay. want to ask a yeah. question about running. Yeah, great. So, in my small mind, I mean, we've all, we've discussed plenty of times. We're all athletes here, so we're we're all speaking amongst athletes. <laughs> <laughs> but but for me, um, the 800 meters is just running the 400 meters twice. 
Is there any element oh, of you where you could, where you think you could, like, how much faster do you need to go to to compete in the four hundred? Oh no, that's completely different. That's a completely different story. <laughs> I told because, you, because <laughs> right, I think I think at my best, if I train for four hundred, I think I could run like forty five low, which is not even the Olympic standard. So right. there's no point even trying to go to the four hundred. Uh, maybe I'd have more luck in the fifteen hundred, but but as you said, like you, you want to fight. You don't you don't want to go to Olympics just to be there as a passenger, like so you choose the event that you're more likely to make the final lap. Like I mean, out like to be honest, like everyone was a lot of people were impressed with fourth and whatnot. But at the end of the day, I went home that well at the Olympic Village, I was disappointed. Like you came fourth. Like I mean, like I think the worst two positions is probably fourth and second because second you're so close to gold and fourth you're so close to a medal. Yeah. Um. So there's still like major disappointments because. You know, as an athlete, you're performance based. You're like performance based. Like it's it's great to be like a it's amazing experience, an amazing journey, and all that. But in reality, when you're sitting there by yourself, it's like, man, um, I still don't have a medal around my neck. Although that medal later on, it's like it's just a thing. Like that's intrinsic motivation. Um, it's just a thing later on, and then the experience matters more later on. Like when you're speaking to people about it and stuff like that, you speak about the journey. But at that moment, the medal matters. You know? Yeah. Well, like- you, you, do you feel like you're still lost, right? Well, I did. <laughs> I, <came forward. laughs> I definitely lost. How, yeah. how hard was it to sort of put on a, a happy face and just be, you know, like you say all the right things, you know, I'm just stoked to represent my country and, and be here. But, you know, when your goal is to, to medal, like how, how tough was that for you, especially, you know, interviewing TV straight after a race? Well, I mean, I mean, my interview saying those things is, is like what you felt at the moment. And, and especially like you, you express gratitude to the people, to the people that stood there for you, which is your, which is for me was my support team and everyone. And then like through the rounds, it was like Australia was getting around it. So like, of course, like you got to show gratitude and everything because like you still got to be a good loser and you can't take anything away from the winners either. Like you're not going to be mad like, oh, like as if you lost by accident. Like those guys were just bet on the day. Like you got to be realistic with yourself, right? Yeah. Those guys just got the job done. Like the Kenyans came one, two, and the Polish guy, they got the job done when it matters. And then because like I went to Europe a few weeks later and I think it was all the news that I beat the Polish guy. Like it doesn't matter. Like you beat them two weeks, three weeks later, you need to beat them on the day because that's what it counts for, like on the day, on, on that time. But um, but like I wasn't, I wasn't putting any face. Like at that moment, I was, I was still proud that I finished that race, and I put myself like because I was at peace because I, I raced the way I wanted to race. It's just they were just better. That was it. Like, and people, I think people find that hard because you feel you sound like you're defeated. But like, like if that's what it is, then that's what it is. Like they were just better on the day. But it's still, I was proud of of the way I raced because I put myself in a place to win, and I wanted to win. Blah blah blah, and all that stuff. But then, like, the other part of it is, like, man, like, there were so many people behind you and, and how much hype you created back home. So, like, man, we're, we're grateful for that. We're so thankful for that. And we're thankful for – athletics doesn't get that much attention. So to bring that much attention to athletics is is awesome. And then, like, to see your family out there celebrating and stuff like that, like you won a medal, it's it's pretty cool. What um what did the effect of uh, Rio – so Rio Olympics 2016 um, – <laughs> You've experienced what the Olympics is all about, right? Well, you know, traditionally all about you got the Olympic Village with people in it, you got crowds cheering you on. Um, 
you know, you qualified for that and, and went over there and raced and probably didn't go well. I mean, listening to speak to you speak about coming fourth in the Olympics, you, I assume you wouldn't have been happy getting knocked out in the heats of the Olympics in 2016. How, how did that experience kind of leave you? Oh, that man, I was sad. Yeah, I think I gained I gained like four five kgs at the Olympics. You know, especially because <laughs> it was my first games and. And you just kind of try to maximize on everything, like capitalize on all the experiences. And I, I, I told this story a few times. Like generally, you're not you're not too excited about food. Like it is what it is. But when it's free, damn man, you just <laughs> you, you just you just kind of go hard. Like when 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 like th- because like put yourself in my position. Like five years and I made the Olympic team, so I didn't make any Australian team, no juniors. Nothing. That was the first time to wear Australian single up. And I was straight away into the Olympics. And I've never been to any other championships. So, like, um, getting excited about, like, things like free food and, like, haircuts, getting three haircuts, although my hair was short. All those <laughs> all those stuff. And, and getting excited to meet, like, um, you know, I see you were in Golden State there, like, um, Clay Thompson, um, meeting him, Usain Bolt, and all that stuff. You just, you just, just kind of go crazy as a 22-year-old. You just kind of like, whoa, like, Damn, and then like I think there was experience where Paddy Mills comes up to me and and like he's so nice and introduces himself and says welcome to the team and that and I'm like why is this guy introducing himself like I know who he is like <laughs> like like what is he doing um, <laughs> so so like of course of course at that moment like you you're still disappointed but you're like you just you probably underperformed not because of fitness just because there's there's that energy you got to maintain pretty like optimal and then like when you're getting excited about food your energy is going too high and you kind of got to just be like in the middle and like getting excited about all these things and and whatnot um i was pretty disappointed getting out of the heat especially like running what was it like a 149 or something like that um it was ridiculous like i was i was just not happy and i just partied it out and did the normal things and came home like five kgs heavier but you know you look back and you're like man it's my first Olympics, not too bad. So you don't look back on it with like a oh, lost opportunity. You kind of used it as a, all right, this is probably what I, I need to tighten up next time around. Because I mean, it clearly worked you know, five years later at Tokyo. <laughs> nah, definitely definitely not um, a lost opportunity because, because the opportunity was being there. Um, and to be like realistically, uh, I, I didn't make it out of the heat. So it's not like I missed out a medal. Like, I wasn't even close to a medal. I was out just in the heat. There was no semifinals. Maybe if I was in the finals, like, damn, like I was close to a medal. Like now it's like, damn, because I was close to a medal. But back then I was just, I was just there. I was literally a passenger and I was excited to be a passenger. Do you subscribe to the, uh, I mean, Will, I know doesn't, but the, you've got to lose one to win one sort of <laughs> notion. Like, do you use that then? Like, okay, 2021, sort of lost one the next one is is your chance um yeah as i said like i think i think it's all language right um because like you can plan as much as you want uh and like there's also good intentions in planning and setting goals but i mean you still got to put it together on the day and and the reality is i set myself goals before and i didn't rock up to the start line like our sport is pretty tough like when it cuts only to three people um and I think that's what I pride myself for, being consistently being able to make teams. Because it's pretty hard to make teams. You've got to be consistently top three. And, like, think about it. You can't be sick on the day of Olympic trials. You, you can't have a bad day. 
So like consistently making teams is people should be rewarded for because it's hard. It's only three people that make it. And then if you can consistently make it every year and those that consistently medal at the major championships, then like they're the goats, like they're figured it out, like mentally, physically, they just, they just do something well. You know, you, you don't know how to define it. You don't know what it is, but they just figured it out. And, and you can see they just, the way they move and everything they do is just like, it's just beautiful. Did you, did you ever race against David Radisha? I did actually in Perth. The first time I raced oh. against him was in Perth and I came second to him and I, I was like running around 146 and this guy was jogging like 144. <laughs> this, this guy's like, I don't know, man, like anyone who's listening or watching, just go and Google 2012 London Olympics uh, 800 meter final. It's so every man in that race ran a PB uh, season best. Uh, like country's best. There was like five national records broken in it. He broke the world record, first man to go under 141. And it's commonly called the greatest race of all time. And this guy is like absolutely killing it. He's like the proper goat. So um, running in his stride, what? like what did it feel like? What, what, just quickly, what time did you run on the 400? Because you ran 153, so what uh, time was your point? Like, yeah, n- never went under 50. So yeah. So so that's the crazy thing, right? David Radisha ran 49 first lap and then he closed in 51. It's crazy. So without stopping, so he was like a 2400 thing. Um yeah, like running running in his stride back then, it was probably like he's just too fast. Like I think I needed to be running in his stride around now where I'm a lot fitter, at least I'm 144, so he could push me a little bit further. But before that, man, I was I was always too far behind like five, 10 meters behind because it's just too far ahead. But it's just being in the same race as him is awesome. Yeah, amazing. Um, but but the worst thing is you, as an athlete, you know, they say like mentally, you got to go into every race thinking you're going to win. But like, what what if you know you're not going to win? Like, because like you're racing David Radisha, like there's, all right, I'm going to try to come second today. Like that's a bad thought to have, but that's reality. <laughs> but he would never have, yeah, it's an interesting concept because like people say this all the time in footy, like, uh like why are you guys even going out there? You're not gonna you're not gonna win, but there's there's still opportunity. David Radisha, you're not yeah. you're not beating him. Don't even worry about it. Just fucking back it up. <laughs> uh, all right, all right, all right. Tokyo Olympics. Um, you know, I think like for anyone out there outside of athletic circles, it's probably you know your your big step up to I guess the limelight. Um, we've spoken a bit about what the experience of Rio gave you, which, you know, by the sounds of it, wasn't a lost opportunity. It was something you just kind of, you know, used along the journey. Um, how was Tokyo different? Like I'm assuming the setup was different COVID wise and uh, Olympic village wise. Did it feel like the Olympics given what you experienced in Rio? Um, yeah and no. I mean, the good thing about Tokyo, because there's so, there so much res- restrictions. Like I felt like, connection kind of went up because with not much to do, everyone kind of relied on each other. So like the Australian team was way stronger than they were in Tokyo because like we'd all get around each other's events. We'd all sit down and have coffee because that's all you could really do. There's like, I think if it was, if it was like a normal Olympics, then you'd have people leaving the village, doing this exploring and stuff like that. Uh, but the Australian team was so close during the Olympics and like we got along um, pretty well, uh, like watching everyone's races, watching, the boxing, Harry Gar side, watching the basketball and the girls on the beach volleyball. So like it was awesome atmosphere in that regards. But um, I guess it was different in a way that 
the stadiums were quite empty. Uh, there was no one there, and then, <clears throat> but still, you just you just had to go out there and perform. <clears throat> like you just had a job to do. Like you you couldn't worry about it, and you had an extra year to kind of figure that out. I and mean, we already knew there was no there was no crowds and stuff like that. What well, was it true? The the uh, the beds were made out of cardboard. Was that was that true? There were, but I think there were so many rumors why they were made out of cardboards. But I don't think that's true because these <laughs> beds, these beds or? were. <laughs> no, no. If you think about it, right? These beds were these beds were designed and made before COVID hit. So, like, so like they were designed way before that. So, um, were they comfortable? Yeah. Um, man, I performed all right. So, <laughs> so I think I think they were pretty comfortable. All right. So you run your heat, run it really well, goes well. Coming into the semi. Um, First semi in the in the Olympic Games. How are you feeling? Because, um, uh, spoiler alert, uh, Pete goes on and wins the semi final and runs the Australian record. <laughs> so you must have been feeling okay. How did it feel that day, the semi final? Honestly, wake woke up that day because like the first thought I think with many people is like, shit, he's run too fast. He's, he's <laughs> because you get you get to wake up and run run again like not just ran fast. I've ran my fastest time ever and, and broke a strand record in the heat. So you got to go back the next day yeah. and run again. Uh, so I think maybe there's a little bit of concern. I, I was a little bit maybe worried. And then I woke up that next morning and I just woke up and I was like, damn, I think I can run 144 again today. I just felt like I never ran the next the, um, the day before. And then I went there and I warmed up. I was like, no, I could really run 144. So when when I stood at the start line, I was just kind of smiling. I was like, man, I'm, I can't wait for this gun to go because <laughs> my body feels like unreal. Like, you know, you, you know, through the warm up, you're just bouncing, you feel sharp, you feel fast and, and just everything's going right. So you just, you just kind of knew it. Is it body or mind then? Like I'm assuming you, you know, you've been as fit as you were and done what you've done for a lot, lot now. <laughs> you talk about muscle memory. Um, your body knows what to do. Is it, is it mind or body? Um, it's mind. And then the mind is impacted by small things. Like if you have a niggle, then the mind goes kind of crazy. If you're sore, the mind kind of, it's like, oh man, I don't know if I could do a fast pace and all that stuff. But like, and then that, that's why the body's important too. If the body's super healthy and you feel fresh, then the mind is, it, it helps the mind as well. So yeah. So I, I just felt like I didn't run and I felt like I was pretty fresh. So it helped me take all that focus from my body, like, nothing's going to go wrong and just kind of be present and focus on the race. And hands down, like the best races you ever race is those races. You're not thinking about anything. It's just muscle memory. You just go out there and race because in our sports, if you're thinking about making a move, someone's probably already made it. Like I've raced some races where I'm thinking like, all right, now I've got to go. And I tried to go. Someone's already made it. It's like, you just got to kind of make it. After you ran that semi, I know in, in sports like basketball, maybe- <laughs> There's a lot of tape watching. You know, you watch the game, or you watch who you're gonna, uh, you're about to to verse next week. Do you then go back and watch that race, or is it sort of like, okay, that race is done, like I can't learn from that, or or do you go back and then sort of build on that? Um, I actually watched, I watched the heat, and then I watched the semi. So I watched all my races and. Um, and I love listening to Bruce, man. He, <laughs> so you watch it with the commentary? Yeah. You yeah. got to, bro. So, yeah. 
And I, I, I was sitting there. I was literally sitting there on my cardboard bed. I'm like, damn, this race is this race is so much exciting watching it than being in the stadium because they have the noise control and Bruce is talking because you can't hear any of that while you're running. Yeah. You're just literally running two laps. And then when you're watching, you're like, man, that's exciting. <laughs> so so that race, that race, like I, I watched it again, um, just prepping, just because, you know, I just sit around and watch 800 meter runs <laughs> all the time. Um, <laughs> uh, so I watched that race and like that was the perfect race. Um, tactically, you're able to sit on someone kind of, you know, opened up with 150 to go and, and you kind of hit the lead and held it to the end. It was it was as you would want to run an 800-meter race, right? You almost had a bit of a pacemaker, good pace for the race. But that was pretty different for your final, right? Um, before we get to the final, so you felt good coming in the heat, felt good coming in the semi, couple of Australian records. Are you waking up day of the final? Okay, here we go. Here's, here's three from three. Um. Waking up for the final was a bit different because it was like, it was like a moment like after the semis it was like oh shit, <laughs> and I say that I say that because we we knocked out the two front runners, and like the final had not a single front runner. It's like oh shit, this race is gonna be slow. Yeah, like no one's gonna lead this race. It's just gonna be slow, and if you leave it too slow, you can't be in the middle because that's where you trip up. Yeah. You can't be at the back because you're racing against the best people in the world. You can't give them head starts and you don't want to be at the front because you're taking all the win. So that now you're just thinking about too many things like that. You weren't thinking about it before. Like if you're sitting behind someone, it's just like, it's automatic. If the race is fast, it's automatic. It's going to be fast. But when, when you knock out all the front runners and then, and then you see through the bell is like 50, whatever that lap was. Cause the first 53, few, 53 and a half, it's good. 53, mm. 53 is like, man, like that's a slow race. So like. you hit the lead. You hit the lead with. So this is in the final, Dan. Um, Pete hits oh, the I've lead. Pete hits, many Pete, times. He hits the lead with like fifty to go in the in the first lap, about six hundred, five fifty to go. Um, was that in the plan? Um, um yeah, I think it was. It was. I just didn't want to get boxed in and get in trouble. I think the only thing I would do differently is take the lead and just trust in yourself, like. With saying that is you don't need to go out from that far out. I think I went out from like 400 or something. You can hold it back because you, you're holding everyone back. Like you're at the front. Just just hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, and just keep picking it up as people get closer to you. Did you did and, you did you um did you think you could match the kick with <coughs> the rest of the runners? Like did did you have uh, as much speed as the rest of the race? If you had have held it back? Yeah, um I was I was pretty confident in Tokyo. So I just thought like, man, whatever happens, happens. And, and whatever comes my way, I'll be able to handle it. But like, it, what, we were speaking about 400s before and I said, no, I wouldn't do 400 because at my best, I'd probably be able to run 46, 45, right? Um, the guy that won the race, he runs 44 seconds. Like there's no one beating him in a kickdown <laughs> in a slow race because he's got all his energy there. So especially when he's at the front, and he was like right on my shoulder. He was in the in the best position, and he was the f- fastest four hundred re- meter runner. So like, he's gonna win that race. Like, there's no brainer there because he's got the fastest kick, um, and he's got the fastest four hundred times. So there's a few things to work on there, but like, it's just headache, you know. You don't want to be thinking about that during the race. What did you think when you're coming down? There's <laughs> fifty meters to go. You're lead, you're you're leading the race with a hundred to go, um, and three guys come past you. And yeah, you had a look around. 
you actually looked. Don't know if you've watched the race back, but you have a look kind of behind you and, and next to you, which you hadn't really done in the other races. But what do you think, yeah. what are you thinking there with fifty to go? Like, what's in your mind other than like, oh, oh, this hurts so much? I was like, oh shit, another four years or three years to try again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, like I've, I kind of like, I actually like never spoken to you before, but like your attitude just, it seems like you're able to brush things off pretty quickly. Like because like we we spoke about it before. It's like it's like I wouldn't be having these opportunities if it wasn't for sports, right? That's why I've got um, the podcast in my spikes because like at the end of the day, like although I want to win, like let's think about the other part of it. Like just being able to have that opportunity to be at the Olympics and travel the world and do all these things. It's like that's why you got to kind of. It's like it's not like I don't care. It's just that it just keeps you more at peace. It's like man we're here because because of this so like at least let's be happy that we're here i know we lost but but like what can you do like like honestly what can you do like you can't change it so what's next for pete ball um getting some flowers and (laughs) (laughs) about um about the race one quick one for you what does it sound like when you i mean obviously it's different when you're running with a crowd but when you're not a, a guy's saying any like I imagine it's all pretty business as you know people aren't really chatting it's not like Tour de France where like guys are having conversations <laughs> mid-race but are you just like you're hearing people panting is it like is does any of that sort of throw you off or are you just so in your race that you're not even paying attention to any of that nah you're, you're just so in your race and if you're not you're probably losing the race <laughs> um, and and if, if you can talk then that's extra energy and even like pushing and stuff like that, like um, it takes so much energy to push people around. Um, <clears throat> so you probably prefer not to get in trouble. And the worst part of the 800 is the first 200 when everyone cuts in. Like, cause, cause if you try to cut in when someone is there, someone will push you out the way you might trip over. It takes energy. It takes time. And athletics is all about time. You don't want to lose any time. Unless you don't know that you're allowed to cut in like you did back when you were running. <laughs> Stay, in lane too. In Stay in your lane, man. Okay. Uh, I what? still won that race. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did, mate. You're the fucking Australian <laughs> champion. Dad, what about what about pregame? Like, what about um? They'd have you in a in a holding bay of some description before they bring you out onto the uh, the Aths track. Like uh, Tokyo, they had the big like unveil where it was like a movie stars entering yeah. the arena. Is there any trash talk back there? Is there any talk or is everyone just in their own own world? Nah, there's no, there's like, I don't think running is, running is not the one people just trash talk because it's over <laughs> in like two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think may, maybe more with the, you see it maybe more with the, with the sprinters. Um, it's funny because that's actually shorter. Uh, yeah. It's like what, nine seconds for the guys and now the girls running like 10, five, yeah. which is insane. Um, but with the distance guys, like we're generally all pretty good friends. You gotta be friends because you're running that many mile miles and kilometers per week. You gotta use people and train with them. So, you know, when you're overseas, you train with your competitors and join together. So we tend to be friends while the sprinters tend, don't really tend to be that friend with each other sometimes. Um, but not 800 guys are pretty cool. No trash talk. And if someone trash talks me, I'll honestly just laugh. I think it would make, it would just... <laughs> It'll just be funny. Like it's it's not a fight. Like it's, it's, it's like it's like you're you're sixty one kgs. You're about to go around eight hundred meters. Like, 
what did you think of the fanfare around the 100 meter sprint like that you know how they had all the lights and the lanes all lit up are you seeing that going like come on give us some of that as well or is are you just putting it down to like 100 meter egos and stuff that i guess because the 100 meters is like you crowned like the fastest man in the world and like with the history and Usain Bolt and and like I mean look look at our hundred meter guys sprinter like Ron Browning like like that was exciting just to watch and and you know I wish imagine if like if he made the final it would have like those everyone would have been watching that final it would be unreal just for him to win that semi not a heat and just look around it was it's like damn like that's awesome like that's that's the swag of the hundred meters like. I can't envy that. Like, like, let them eat, let them be, let them do themselves. So it's that type, it's that type of energy. You it's know? like the forward line, Dan. It's the, the forwards. <laughs> they just got to kick the, the goals. Egos. They got to go get their hair cut nicely. They got to get you know, a bit, yeah. of, bit of meat. They got to do, do do whatever they can, man. That's, yeah. Um, what it's about part of it? Well, what about Paris? Paris is three years away. When does the prep start for them? Like, I know, I know the answer is like, oh, prep starts now. You know, come off the track, but. When do you actually start prepping for that, like those races? Is it six months out? Is it eighteen months out? When's that all begin? Um, well, because Paris is like, I guess, long, long term goal because it's three years away. But like next year we got Commonwealth Games, so you just kind of focus on that. And preparation tends to be the same, anyways. So you focus on because World Champs is just as important as as the Olympics. What it's the same to, to you? What's the most important to you? Um. Probably the Olympic Games. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Paris is pretty important. Yeah. But uh, like while you're preparing for Paris, the bills. yeah, you, you got to do the world champs, and it'd be nice winning world champ. Like it, it'd be just as tough. The only difference with world champs and Olympics is that world champs is just athletics. So, literally, it's just in the village with different type of athletes, but you're still competing against the same people huh. at the world champs and at the Olympics. So, they're just as important, in my opinion. And so we got that next year. We got Commonwealth next next year. The following year we got World Champs again, and then the following year we got Paris. So it's like big three years. And if you can come home with medals, like that would be pretty sick. Yeah, bloody oath it was. You li- you're living in Melbourne. Is Perth home? Is that is this where you'll end up? <coughs> yeah, eventually I think I'll move back to Perth. Uh, but I quite, I quite like Melbourne. It's it's cool lifestyle. It's it's nice. It's not too hot. Like tomorrow is thirty six degrees, and I'm I'm like negotiating with my coach. Like, should I be training? It's like <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty hot. Um, while Melbourne is pretty cool, you can do a lot more distance running. It's easier over here. Although the the benefit is training in the heat, you do get fit pretty fast. You just gotta not cook yourself. And you know, where where, where are you training while you're here at Perth? Uh, what time and day? So I'm gonna come race. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I actually train with my. I actually train with Abra. So if anyone wants to go train with him, oh. <laughs> we train. We train um, hills up in. Is it Claremont? Robert Hill? Is that Mac? Perry Lakes. Yep. Um, sometimes I train at Langford Noble. Sometimes I train at Thornley. I'm all over the place, just mixing it up, not to get bored. You got anything else for Pete? I'm, I'm, no, I've just been loving it. Um, when's when's the next big one? Is it Birmingham? Is that where Commonwealth Games is? Yeah, Birmingham. Uh, but two weeks before that as well, champs. So that's 
That's first. How's that work? So two That's weeks apart, you got Birmingham <laughs> and World Champs two weeks apart. Is that right? Yeah. So so so, so what? You just do like a big block of work and then and and try to try to run well for a three week period kind of thing. My understanding is you you focus. Although Commonwealth Games is it's a lot more hype around in Australia, but World Champs is the important one. Commonwealth Games is not because you know not every country is part of the Commonwealth, so you're missing a lot of different different countries. Well, when, when when you're traveling around, do you get to watch any footy? Do you get do you get to watch West Coast go at it? Uh, yeah, sometimes sometimes I watch, uh, but mostly when I'm in Melbourne, I get to watch a few of the games. Mm. Um, I actually haven't watched a game. In Perth, oh, a while ago maybe, but not recently. I think we should do back chat with Pete Bowl live at a game. If you're ever yeah. in town and we're in town, we'll take, <laughs> we're taking you a game. Oh, we're definitely going to be in town. Yeah, yeah we will be. Let's we'll, do we'll be it. it. I won't let's, be running anywhere. Let's, let's do it. Yeah, Unreal, I mean, mate. And I, and I want to see Will's 800 metres in action. I, I still maintain. Yeah, I've got, I've got a tape of it. We can watch it after this. No, I, I want to see it in real life, you versus was, Pete. I'm not going to... Pl- Beat Pete now. I, I might have beaten him when I was 17 years old. He said it. He's the one who said it. 206. That was one. But, but as I said, I said, yesterday doesn't matter. A few minutes yeah, doesn't matter. It's like right now that matters. All right. Right now. All right. I'll race you in an 800 meter race. Right. Okay. Let's do that. And then. We'll do handicap. We'll no, do handicap. Right? No, no. And then, and then we can play a game of footy. You play. I play. And, and we'll see who can get the, you know. We'll have Best a few, average. Yeah, a few, few, few bumps, few tackles. See how you hold up against that big boy. <laughs> Roll I'll, I'll just I'll just scissor kick you and go the ball. <laughs> I don't doubt it. You're dunking in, uh, in school. Uh, Pete, we're gonna wrap this up, mate. But like seriously, absolute pleasure. Uh, the best guest we'll ever have on. I'm so so good to interview, you, mate, and um, such a great attitude. Thanks so much for your time, mate. No, thanks a lot, boys. Thanks for having me, and look forward to meeting you guys in person. When you wrap, when you um. When you get this going, in your spikes is your podcast, right? When you've got a bit more time, let's do this again. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll tell you about uh, my running ability so you can interview me about running. That'll yep. be good. I'm here for cricket, yep. basketball, whatever. I can do anything. Just um, <laughs> Yeah. I got stories. And um, I- I'm going to send you my address and I need some flowers. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, Thanks, Pete. You're a legend. Thank you so Thank much. You. All right. Your hair's back. Shirts are back. Yeah, Peter Bowl, mate. I, yeah, I look. We've we've done it already. Like in a short time of interviewing people, we've had some great interviews. But I enjoyed that the most. Maybe mm. I'm maybe I fanboy too hard. I'm sorry if I did. It's okay. Do I have to apologise to you or the listeners? I'm no, sorry, no listeners, one. if you I was fanboy. Apologise to anyone. I really enjoyed it. He's got a sick story and like making it in athletics and eight hundreds. Even like it's not something that Australians really do. No. So the fact is, I, mean, I could if I could if I wanted to, but I pursued other things. And you know what I said? If Peter Bowl ticked off my achievements, it meant it was a thing. And he was happy with it. Yeah, he's being nice. That's okay. Um, now, we don't have any Scotials this week. No, we don't. Um, and look, that's a big loss. Scotial media, big part of this podca- podcast. So the only way that I thought we could kind of cover for it. Yes. There is probably only one way. What's it called? What's this called? You call it. We speak it. No, but we're calling it. Yes, I know, but we've made that mistake from the okay. very beginning. Okay, what's it called? You call it, we speak it. You want to send your mobile number to us mm-hmm. and you want to trust us with your private information. Mm-hmm. Of course, we won't give it out, but we will use it to develop content for this podcast. So we're about to ring a loyal listener. So 
this is Keely Judge. Yeah. She just said, hey guys, loving the pod. I'm a late comer to back chat, but I've pretty much caught up on every episode in about five days. So up to date as of yesterday and officially a Patreon. Thank you. Oh, I think like Keely might be ticking every box. We've been speaking about this a little bit. Like how do you grow listeners? How do you grow audience? How do you grow subscribers on YouTube? Whatever you're doing, Keely's ticked every box. Mm-hmm. Gone back and listened to the episodes. A lot of our stuff we've done in the past is pretty timeless, right? Like yeah. you can actually go back and listen to it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Keely's ticking boxes. She wants to goals. send it, say it, call it. What's it called? You call it, we speak it. Let's do it. I'm um, you know, through the joys of technology, just going to hit call right now. Let's okay. put some headphones on. Uh. I don't really know what we're going to talk about. Neither do I. I'm excited though. Hope she answers. Be, be good, Hello. Be a good podcast if she doesn't answer. Hi, Keely. Will Schofield, Dan Const here. How are you? Keely. Hello. I'm good. How are you guys? Yeah, good. Look, uh, I'm hoping you were expecting this call because we've been putting the call out uh, on the podcast for a little while now. Send your number in. We'll give you a call. Have a chat. You've done it. Did you expect us to even call you? No, not at all, to be honest. So it's lovely to chat to you. All right, Keely, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand the microphone quickly to you. This could go poorly. I'm going to give you the mic and say, what do you want to speak about? You've got, you've got the microphone. You've got the audience, the huge audience that is Backchat Podcast. Dan and I are listening and so are they. What do you want to speak about? Let's speak about something. All right, well... Yeah, you caught me off guard. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I um, big fan, big fan. I just realised before, actually, I've realised I was a bit late to the podcast, but I've caught up on about twenty eight episodes in less than a week. So that's like Very thirty good. to thirty five hours of you guys that I listened to instead of doing a uni assignment that I handed in two minutes before it was due last night. So how, <laughs> time well spent. How, I was going to say, how's that time been in your life? It sounds very exciting. <laughs> Oh, yeah, time well spent, I reckon. <laughs> Upon reflection, <laughs> seeing as you've consumed it all in such a short space of time, um, any initial thoughts? Yeah, you'd actually know, wouldn't oh, you? Oh, love it. It's um, it's good to hear you guys be able to chat to a lot of the players that I've watched for pretty much my whole life. Like, even just listening to you, Will, I, um, I was lucky enough to watch you at your very last home and away game over here in Brisbane because I'm, I'm from Brisbane. So, Are you in Brisbane right now? I got to see you. I am, so it's 9.30 at night. Mm. Wow. Well, thanks for picking up. This is good. I didn't realise we were going across the uh, the Nullarbor here, Dan, to Brisbane. Very yeah. good. Keely, I right believe I believe if our research is correct, you've got a birthday coming up. <laughs> when you say yeah, research, I do. it's, it's you next, next legit just telling us in, in an email. <laughs> How old are you turning, Keely? Um, 26. 26, so um, it's not, not very exciting, but one step closer to 30. Sam Butler's number. <laughs> a very happy birthday, Sam Butler's number. Just trust Thank me, you. when you Much get to 30, you. you don't want to be aiming for 30. It's all downhill from 30. No. No. I, I rebuke that. What? 30 is awesome. Why? You're in your prime. <laughs> You're 30. I actually, um, I did do some prep in case you guys called. So Okay. okay. I was hoping I was hoping that um yeah maybe you had this when I gave you the mic but this is good I like this Keely do it well it's coming so well I went and got your stats from the last home and away game that you played when I got to see you here in Brisbane so okay, okay good this is, this is what you did um so West Coast defeated the Lions seventy two to ninety eight and my boyfriend's a massive Brisbane Lions supporter so that was extra sweet good um well you had five disposals four kicks one handball 
two marks, four tackles, zero goals and zero behind. Huge. With 79% time on ground. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly trying to look for the positives here. I'm hoping you're setting me up for like, but this is what you did for the but team. The week after, you were actually dropped, but then you came back under a medical thing yeah. and ended Forced up playing a cracker of a game and then took us to the grand final and ended up, ended up, ended up being a premiership player. So, oh, so this you is can't my, complain. This is my last game in 2018. Mm. Yep. I thought you were yep. talking about last game. Oh, I remember this. I got dropped after that game. You're dead set right. You did. You did. And then someone got injured, I think, in training and you got brought back in. No, Bra- Brad, Brad Shepard Brad, Brad Shepherd got injured in the uh, qualifying was. final. But It was Shep. Yeah, it was Shep. But I was extremely, I remember, extremely upset and annoyed at getting dropped after that game in 2018. But the stats you've just reeled off to me, five touches, four kicks, one handball and two marks, probably deserved it. The stats don't always tell the truth. An hour and a half. That's it, but the stats don't always tell the truth. No, that that is right, Keely. Well, I appreciate you doing some research for us. This, well, I hope it's not the last time we speak, but if it is. It won't be. What do you want to leave the Backchat podcast with? What's your legacy? Oh gosh! Um, Such a hard question. What's <laughs> your legacy? Bloody hell! Legacy, legacy's a, a big. Um, she's twenty six. I don't know. It's just good to be able to speak to you guys. Thanks for calling. Um, big fan, big fan for a long time. So, um, Will, I've been watching you since like I was a kid, and Dan. Big fan of you as of recent. So yeah. tell me about Dan. Uh, no, before oh, this is your legacy. Yeah, this yeah. is your legacy, Keely. You've watched me since I was a child. What about? Dan, what <laughs> she do, hasn't watched me since she was, she was, I was a child. What do you think about Dan? No, but I mean, he's funny and he keeps you in line, so it's good. Yeah, good. Keeps you in line. Tick and yeah. tick. Well done, Keely. Thanks for joining us on the show. We appreciate it. Thanks and, so much, um, guys. We, yeah, Dan's putting your number away right you now. You should um, yeah, get an episode with with sure. Oscar Allen and Hamish Brayshaw together. I reckon that'd be a good one. <laughs> oh, I like it. I reckon it. we could fit in one more seat to the ta- at the table as Four well. Four seats at the table. Are you a YouTube subscriber, Keely? Yes, I am. Oh, there was a pause good, there. Yeah. You go and do Just that right around. now. Thank and you, Patreon. Keely. <laughs> and Patreon. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks, Keely. All the best. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks. There you go. There you have it. Can I take the headphones off now? Yeah, I'm going to take mine off too. Keely, what a treat. Yeah, that was great. It's good hearing from fans. Look, that's all we want. Send us your number. We'll call it. You speak it. I look. I know. I gave her a couple of platforms to speak, and sometimes if you're not expecting a call or if you're not used to speaking in front of a microphone, Mm. like you were a bit like that, a bit of a stun mullet, were you? When when first got in front of the mic and in the camera, no, I reckon you might have. I certainly was. You're a big dog now. Yeah, you get recognised. (laughs) (laughs) You get recognised. Uh, that's yeah. it. Peter Bowl today. It was great. Um, you can catch us wherever you catch us. Backchatpodcast.com.au. YouTube, subscribe, click the thingy, do the thing. Yep. Just get around us. All the things. Get all around us. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.